welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. talk about a few things that are happening in the life of our church. Uh, one, Michelle mentioned it, the new common, like that is, guys, this is, the new common is an exciting thing for us. Like this is, this is five years of work. Like I, don't, I said this to somebody yesterday and they're like, what? Like this is the culmination of five years of work, three years specifically in St. Jamestown. And we've been building relationships. We have been working with organizations all these things, and the new common, this is the space, it is, it's the fruition of that, it's the fruit of that. And, and uh, this space, for those of you guys who are new this morning, this space is not a church office space, it's not a church worship space, it is purely a local engagement space where we are blessing the community, where we're working with organizations, where we're pushing them forward, where we are resourcing them, where, and it's free, it's all free, guys. And, and we're so excited. Well, it's free for them. It costs us money. Uh, but we have the God of infinite resources on our side. And so we want to bless that community, and we want to build relationships, and we want to love them in the name of Jesus. And this space is going to allow us to do that more than we have been in the past. So get excited about this. There's a, there's a big thing this afternoon on it. Uh, that Seth and the local team are leading. There's so many people who have been working hard on this. Um, actually, don't see, so I don't see a lot of them here this morning. <laughs> I don't see any of them here this morning. But yeah, I hope they're not working. Um, but uh, if you see Annie, she's been working hard on it. Encourage her. Rebecca Daly has been, I mean, she just, she's, she's just worked really hard on this. Hey, guys. Hey. Well, yeah, yeah. You walk in this late, you're going to get busted. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All day from Chicago. Um, <clears throat> I smelled that McDonald's out, out in the corridor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, uh, yeah, Rebecca Daly, um, she's been working really hard on this. Uh, I, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of people, right? Seth can, can, Seth's been actually working really hard on this too. Um, and he has another job as well. So like this is, there's so many people who've given so much time to this. We need to come alongside them, push them forward, encourage them, exhort them, and help out. Um, so that's, that's that. Also just want to mention the West Bank thing that, that Michelle mentioned. Uh, that's June 9th, 9 to 12. Uh, that is, we're going to go over a bunch of stuff there. West Bank is new for us. We're going to go, and for those of you who don't know, the West Bank is Palestine, it's, but it's part of Palestine. It's, we say the West Bank because it doesn't include the Gaza Strip. So we're engaging in the West Bank, which is the West Bank of the Jordan River. That's why it's called that. It's kind of East Jerusalem over to the border of Jordan. And it's a volatile place. It's a, it's a place that has a lot of history, that has a lot of theology, that has a lot of culture. And... We have chosen to engage there. There's relationships there already. We basic, we're basically doing what we do in St. Jamestown, we're doing there. And, and it's going to take a while to get things rolling, but 
good news is um, things are there's things are already rolling. So it's it's really exciting. Uh, on that Saturday, we'll talk about all that stuff. We're not just talking about a trip. We're talking about history. We're talking about theology. We're talking about culture. We want to educate our church on why we're going to engage here, what the importance of it is, why we're going to be there long, long term, and, and why this is a, a significant strategic place for our church and for the world, we believe. So we'll talk about all that stuff. It's so complicated. The area is so nuanced, so multifaceted, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to have fun. We're going to answer questions. We're going to get all of our theology straight. No, we won't. Our theology is going to be a little messy for a while, I think. And, and, but we're going to talk about it. And, and so that's what that morning is for. We'll have breakfast, we'll, and we'll have fun with it. So uh, the last thing is, some of you guys have heard already, uh, Al Stewart, he is... Um, he's one of our covenant members. He's one of our um, oldest members. And Al was 75, 78, somewhere, 74, somewhere around there, mid, mid to late 70s. Uh, he died yesterday. And he's with Jesus. And if you know Al, you know that it's been rough for him the past six, eight, ten months. And, and even, even longer, he's, he's, been, uh, he's been a little mentally off, emotionally off, um, physically just, um, just going downhill, debilitating, broke his hip um, in October, I believe, and then that just kind of, it was all downhill from there. He had a massive heart attack this week, heart failure was at TGC for a few days, and um, I went in on... Thursday night, and I got, guys, I got there at, I don't know, 9 o'clock, I think, and so fairly late, right, um, and there were six or seven people in the room with him. It was amazing. I was blown, I was blown away uh, by that. I actually saw the nurse coming in. Oh, I was trying to find it because it was a little confusing for me. <laughs> and I, I found a nurse, and she was Al's nurse, and, and um, asked her where it was, and she was, she was like, oh, you're here to see Al. She's like, he's had so many visitors, and it's just such a testimony to the body of Christ. It's a testimony to the church, because when I walked in the room, all the visitors in there were, were under, yeah, I think all of them were under 30, under 30 years old. Like, and Al's in his 70s. Like, why, like, the, and none of them look like him, right? There's, there's some Asians in there, a brown guy, <laughs> uh, me, a mutt, like, half and half. Like, we, and it was just, like, so they know we're not family, right? So it's just really amazing to have all of you guys there, to see all the posts, all you guys have been praying, who weren't able to go see Al in his last days, um, I know, uh, and, and the reality is, guys, like, I wasn't Al's pastor. Al came to this church, but I didn't, I didn't pastor Al. Archie pastored Al. Josh pastored Al. That's like the gifts of the body working, and you could see it when we, when we walked in with, with people there pastoring him, shepherding him, and, and uh, it was just, it was amazing. Josh, actually, you stayed the whole night with them that Thursday night, right? Um, it's just, yeah, it's just really cool to see you guys step out 
and, and be with someone in their last days. But guess what, guys? He loved Jesus. So guess what he's doing today? And he's fully restored today. And he's, his hip isn't broken anymore. He has all of his mental faculties back and better. And he can see clearly now more than he's ever seen before. He can move more freely now than he's ever moved before. Like that is the hope we have in Christ Jesus. So whereas we want to mourn and, and it's okay if we're sad of his passing, He's with Jesus. Like, we should celebrate that. It's, it's a point of celebration and excitement. And so when I heard that, that um, he died last night, I was excited for him because he loved Jesus more than anything in this world. And he's with him right now face to face. So let's, let's uh, just take some time. I want to I wanna pray into that right now, and then, we'll, and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you so much for... Al's life. We want to honor him um, and, and thank you for the example that he set of someone who, who lives fully for you. And Father, I pray that you just make us, uh, as he imitated Christ, that you'd make us more like Al as he imitates you, Father. Thank you that he is with you right now, that he's celebrating right now, that um, he had a homecoming, that um, he's hearing better, he's seeing better, he's thinking better than he ever has, he's moving better than he ever has. And we praise your name for it, for that, because the resurrection is real, and he is resurrected with you. So thank you for that this morning. Tune our hearts, tune our ears, and our minds to hear your word this morning, and we just bless the reading of your word in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, you know... Um, well, I'll, I'm sure I'll come back to that. So let's, let's jump into this. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. We are we're going through this series called Mountain, and each, each week we've talked about different, we've, we've themed it. So it's you are blessed, you are fulfilled, you are valuable, you are uh, reconciled, you are free. Today we're talking about you are secure. Last week we talked about you are eternal and what that means. And what Jesus is doing here in the Sermon on the Mount, it's one sermon, is he's building kingdom character in us. He's, he's saying, okay, this is the kingdom. You're supposed to be in the kingdom, but you don't look like kingdom citizens yet. Let me build character into you, and character has to be built. And so we've been trying to do that throughout this whole series over the past couple of months, and going off of your eternal, coming into your secure, and we're going to talk about that this morning. So uh, growing up, this is actually bothering me. I gotta switch this. I'm like, <laughs> just a little off center. <laughs> the whole time I've just been like, I had one eye on it. Like, how long can I take this? So, growing up, this uh, I I lived in uh, California. I was born in California. Lived there. Uh, moved to Ohio, and then we moved to Indonesia. And by the time I got to Indonesia, we lived in a walled compound. And it was, it was gated, not just gated, like high walls. Um, it was for protection. It was an expat community. We all lived there. Um, all the expats lived there that worked for this one organization uh, that my dad worked for. And, and uh, you would come in the gate. You go out the gate. It was, it was all secure. After that, moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And some of you guys have heard me talk about ABQ before. 
It is, I don't know if it is now, but when I was there in the 90s, it was a dangerous city. I assume it hasn't changed much. Uh, like, it was a show Cops ever aired in Canada? Yeah, yeah, well, Albuquerque was on Cops a lot. Like, my, uh, when, I, when my family started going to church when I was 10, my Sunday school teacher was a cop, and Cops, the show, rode with him. So he was actually on the show. He's like a celebrity. <laughs> like, yeah, there he is, getting that bad guy. Um, and, and so Albuquerque is, it's, I mean, it's, it's bad, guys. It's, at, at that time, very, a lot of drugs, uh, a lot of drug running, I should say, uh, gangs. And like, we have, we have gangs here, but this is like, I mean, this is like the, the movies, what you see in the movies, right? I mean, it, this is like gang-ridden. I saw, by the time I was in grade six, I saw someone's head get bashed into the concrete. And I saw things that, at like a 10-year-old, 11-year-old shouldn't see. Um, and I won't go into more explicit stuff, but I uh, saw a bunch of stuff. Um, and this was all in our schools, just gangs. They would drive by shootings all the time, kidnappings. By the time I'm, I'm in grade five, I know how to defend myself from a kidnapping. I know, how, I know what to do, I know the warning signs. Like, that was the environment we grew up in. Satanic rituals, because of that, the enemy was very uh, pervasive in that area, so satanic rituals all around um, in different parts of the city, and, and um, sacrifices being made, kidnappings, things like that. So that was the environment I grew up in. So our house in Albuquerque had an alarm system. Actually, every house on our street had an alarm system. Some houses had bars on the windows. A lot of the, um, and actually a lot of us had the same alarm system. And, and an alarm system, a security system, supposed to give you what? It's supposed to give you a certain amount of peace and, and comfort and security. Uh, but the problem with these alarm systems, or with a alarm system, is sometimes you come home and your alarm's going off. And you're like, if you're like me, in 0.5 seconds, a thousand scenarios go through your head, a thousand questions. Like, oh, uh, is everyone safe? Is someone in the house? Is it, what's, what's broken? What's this going to cost us? Is someone hiding in my attic? Uh, yeah. Uh, or my basement? Um, you know, what is someone going to get me when I walk in? Like, should we get a guard dog? Should we get a more sophisticated system? Should we get security guards? And there's just some, some places in the world are like this, where you have security systems. We were in the Cape Town, and it's like every house in Cape Town has a security system, and there it says armed response on the sign, not just ADT. It's like armed response. And, and so when you, it's supposed to offer you this peace and security, but other times, the alarm would go off in the middle of the night, or we'd come home and our neighbor's alarm was going off, and, and you're like, well, why is, you're, you're just questioning why is that? And, and a lot of times, you never find out why the alarm went off. And, and so what the alarm ended up doing was instead of offering us some peace and security, it started causing us anxiety. So it did the opposite of what it was intended to do. And we never, sometimes you just never knew why it was going off. Now, we also had legitimate occurrences, like one night, middle of the night, someone threw a big stone through our front window. Why? Who knows? They just did it. Uh, we didn't have bars on our windows. They just threw a big stone uh, through our window and our alarm went off. Um, so sometimes it was legitimate, but most times it was like, oh, when the alarm went off, it just made us panic, right? Like, like an alarm isn't foolproof, 
right? So, like, if you're sleeping in the middle of the night and your alarm goes off, if it was foolproof, you would just sit there. Like, well, the alarm's going to take care of whatever's happening. But nobody just, nobody just sits there, right? Like, you get up because you think something happened, someone's in the house, and you start to scramble. For us, a lot of us are putting our security in something that's not foolproof. We're putting it in the wrong thing. And when we do that, it, instead of giving us peace, comfort, and security, it causes worry and stress and anxiety. And so this morning, what are you putting your security in? Now, I could go through a long list of things about what, might be, what, what are possibilities for you. So you might be putting your security in your job. You might be putting it in family. You might be putting it in a relationship, in your kids. You might be putting it in a promotion. Like, if I just got that, everything would be good. You might be putting it in, in money. Uh, you might be putting it in any number of things. Others' approval. Um, you might be putting it in someone's acceptance of who you are. Uh, and, but, but all those things boil down to one thing. They boil down to your identity. And so the bottom line this morning, what I'm going to take throughout the entire sermon, is what you place your security in determines what you place your identity in. And odds are, what you're placing your security in, that's what your identity is in. And so... If someone tries to take that from you, if something happens to, to make you insecure there, then you experience anxiety, you experience worry, you experience stress, you, you run around like the alarm's going off. I mean, think about that. If, if what you place your security in gets frazzled and the alarm goes off, then you're going to get frazzled. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna panic. And, and just think about the loud noise an alarm makes. For a lot of you guys in your life, that's, that's your life. That's what happens. That you place your security in something that isn't actually foolproof, that isn't secure, and when that gets tinkered with, your life gets thrown into shambles. At Trinity Life, we talk about um, discovering your identity and destiny in Christ in order to influence our city and the world. And in that, in that statement, vision statement, purpose statement, whatever you want to call it, uh, notice there that discovering your identity in Christ is first. That's the first thing we have to do if we're coming into Christ, is put our identity in Him, put our security in Christ. But for many of you this morning, you're still struggling with that. Your identity is in something else. And that's, why, and that's why you experience these things. Now, when I talk about anxiety, hear, hear me. I'm not talking about like the, I'm just saying worry. We'll talk about it in a second. Worry, uh, being anxious. Uh, don't hear me if you struggle with anxiety the, uh, and this is like a diagnosed mental illness for you. Um, that's, a, that's a different conversation. We're talking about when, when we choose to put our security in something and, and, and uh, that causes us to be anxious. So I'll explain that a little bit later too. Uh, and, and so, and insecurity, some of you guys, and Jesus deals mainly in here too with material needs, but some of you guys, security isn't about material needs for you. Like, you're fine, you're fine there. For some of you guys, you experience emotional, mental, spiritual distress because of your material distress. 
Uh, but for some of you guys, your biggest struggle is emotional. It's, I just feel t tossed to and fro with my emotions every day. For some of you guys, it's, it's, it's more mental. Like you guys just feel like, man, if I can just get up today and make it through today, I'll be fine. For some of you guys, it's spiritual. Like your biggest struggle is, is just spending time with the Lord and praying and filling yourself up. And so when we talk about security, like all those things are, are encompassed in there. And Jesus starts off in this passage in verse 26. This verse starts off with saying, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Therefore, Jesus says that because he's referring to all what, what he's just talked about. And what he's just talked about is what Daniel talked about last week, that you are eternal. And what does that mean? It means that you were meant to have an eternal perspective. You weren't meant for this world. And so Jesus, when he talks about being eternal, he's saying that you weren't meant to live the life that you're living now. Do you want to know why it's so hard to live your life? It's because you weren't meant for it. You were meant for a different life. You were meant for a life that wasn't like this, that wasn't filled with sin, that wasn't filled with, with distress, that wasn't filled with, with um, you know, everything you can fill in the blank. You are meant for a life that was communing with God in perfection, in the eternal community with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so hard. That's why it's tough to live this life. And Jesus says, you are meant to have a different perspective. And if you can get the eternal perspective, if your perspective can just shift to the eternal, that's going to change the way you see. That's going to change the way you live. That's going to change the way you act, you think, you feel. And it's going to change the way you minister. It's just going to change your whole life if your perspective can just be shifted to the eternal. And, and so last week was kind of part one. And this week, Jesus is going to show us how to do that. He's going to show us how we shift into, into the eternal. So he says, therefore, remember what he's saying, remember what I just said. Remember, remember those verses this before this. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious. Jesus repeats this, and it's a command. He's like, basically, Jesus is saying, just stop it. Like, just don't be anxious. And he repeats this three times in this short passage in, verses, in this verse, verse 31, verse 34. He'll, he'll say, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious. Why does he repeat it? Because he knows you. Because he knows your heart. Because he knows he has to repeat it. Because he knows that he has to keep on telling us, guys, don't worry about this. Don't be anxious. Stop focusing on that. Focus on me. Your, your security is not in there. Have an eternal perspective. And so he's, he keeps on whispering this to us. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Stop, stop looking towards that. And, and he says here, don't be anxious about your life. That's a pretty big statement. <laughs> Just don't be anxious about your life whatsoever. And then he says, what you eat, what you drink, not, nor your body, what you put on, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither twirl or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, little faith? Therefore, another therefore, don't be anxious. Don't ask these questions. For the Gentiles seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When he says, we're going to walk through all that in a sec. Uh, when he says the word anxious, this word means something that uh, distracts, divides, or separates. Distracts, divides, or separates. So this morning, what is distracting you from experiencing God's goodness? What's dividing you from experiencing the love of God? What's separating you from hearing God clearly? That's what anxiety does. That's what worry does. It distracts us. It makes us lose focus. It shifts us. It divides us. It, it, it separates us from God's goodness, his love, his, his mercy, his, his grace, from hearing him. It, it blocks us from, from hearing him. And that's why he's saying, don't do this. Just don't be anxious. Just don't worry about this because remember whose you are. Remember that you are valuable, he says. Remember that you are, uh, that you are mine. Remember that you are blessed. Remember that you are fulfilled. Remember that you are reconciled and free and all these things that he's been building in the Sermon on the Mount because remember, this isn't, a, this isn't by itself. It's in this whole sermon. Remember that you're all these things and I've created you to be those things in me. You know, a lot of our anxieties, a lot of our worries, a lot of things that we're anxious about stem from our own insufficiencies. We're, we're so concerned about what's going to happen. We're so concerned about what is, what, uh, is, is that going to happen? Is this going to happen? Um, and we're, we're so concerned about things that we can't actually control, and, it, and it's because we're insufficient. And guys, as followers of Jesus... You need to recognize that that is the, a truth in your life, that you are insufficient, that you are only sufficient in Christ Jesus. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of Christ Jesus in our lives, that he makes us sufficient. So this morning, you might be saying, well, okay, I get that. If, if, our secu if my security is in something else, my identity may be in something else too. Um, and Jesus is saying, don't be anxious. But how do we not be anxious? How do we how do, we do this? Uh, three things. Uh, at Trinity Life, when we talk about being a follower of Jesus and a disciple, we use three words. We say hear, trust, and obey. And that is a mark of a disciple of Jesus. That is a mark of someone who follows Jesus. It's someone who hears God's voice, who trusts it enough to obey it, to walk forward in obedience. So Jesus wants us to hear this morning. So out of verse, oh, where'd it go? Verse 26, I believe it is. I'll pull it up. Um, oh, there it is. Uh, Jesus says, are you not of more value than they? 
Jesus is telling you this morning that you are valuable. That if he takes care of these things, he's going to take care of you. You are his creation. You are his children. You are his masterpiece. If you're in Christ Jesus this morning, those are all true of you. If you're not in Jesus, if you're still trying to figure out faith and and you're on this journey of faith, those things can be yours in Christ Jesus. And he's saying this morning to you that you are valuable. Stop thinking you're not. He's saying, don't you remember? Like, you're salt. You're light. You're supposed to be the salt of the earth. You're supposed to be light of the world. And here you are cowering in the darkness. Here you are just sitting on the table not being used. He says you're supposed to step out in faith because you're valuable. So hear his voice this morning. Hear his voice that he's saying that you are valuable this morning. And the second thing, trust. He says, if he clothes the grass of the field, just alive today, thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Trust is a big deal. Most people have trust issues. Most people I, I counsel, we can probably boil it down to an identity issue or a trust issue. They just, they, either they don't trust themselves, don't trust others, whatever it is. Um, we just have trouble trusting. But Jesus, if we believe he's the eternal one, if we believe he is, he is the God of the universe, then, then he's calling us to put our security, our identity, and our trust, our full trust in him. The issue with some of you guys is you've trusted Jesus for an ethereal, abstract, spiritual thing, uh, but Jesus has, the trust of Jesus hasn't, hasn't pervaded every area of your life. It's almost as if you've believed in Jesus for a salvation, but you don't trust him for sanctification. You don't trust him to, to, live, a, to live a life of holiness. And so for many of you, I don't know, you're either right at the door or you have just stepped into the thre- onto the like, threshold, but you're not like fully in the house. You're not roaming around. You're not living this life where you're fully trusting Jesus. For many of you, when you step out these doors, Jesus, you leave Jesus here. Jesus doesn't come into your work. He doesn't come into your marriage. He doesn't come into your, how you raise your kids. He doesn't come into how you speak to uh, the barber or the hairstylist. He doesn't come in how you drive on the road. He doesn't come into the grocery store. He doesn't come into what you watch on Netflix. He doesn't come into what you listen to on the radio. He doesn't come into what you uh, do for recreation or any of those spaces. He's confined, and, you're, and that's because your trust is confined. And you've kept Jesus in this confined area, and you only trust Jesus with this part of your life, and that's why you're anxious. Because you put your trust in things that are never meant to be trusted. You put your trust in things that are uh, fleeting and fading and ephemeral. You haven't put your trust in what is eternal and everlasting. And when you put your trust in something that is here today and gone tomorrow, guess where your, your security goes? Guess where your peace goes and your comfort goes? It's here today and then it's gone. And you live a life filled with worry and anxiety because you're trusting in the wrong thing. And you're putting all your effort into something that isn't going to be there. It's like, it's like if you were to say, oh, I, want, I want the 2018, I don't know, what's the car? BMW. 
that I know there's models, but let's just say BMW. <laughs> that one. Um, and you're like, I'm going to save up all my money. You're saving up all your money. You're, you're sacrificing. You're not going out to eat. You're, you're not going to see movies. I don't know, whatever. You're, you're just poor. You're not traveling. You're putting all your money. And then 2028 rolls around, 10 years later. And you're like, I'm going to get that 2018 BMW. And guess what, guys? It's obsolete. No one wants a 2018 BMW in 2028 because cars are flying in 2028. Because you don't have Bluetooth, you got holograms. Like, I don't know. You, like, no one wants, it's like, <laughs> we used to have cassette tapes and CD, whose car has a CD player anymore, right? Put your hand down. <laughs> Who knows what a CD is, okay? Like, and that's what we're putting, when we put our trust in things, that's what happens. They just go, and then we're like, man, no one even values that anymore. And it's just left us. And so our security and our comfort has left us as well. And so when we trust Jesus, it's funny, this, this word, Dallas Willard points us out. Uh, he's a philosopher guy. He says, um, uh, this word, oh, you have little faith, it can literally be translated. It's, he says, he thinks it's probably like an invention of Jesus because only Jesus says this to his disciples. And it can literally be translated as you little faiths. It's like a nickname he gives them. Like Jesus is calling you that this morning. He's like, you little faith. You guys are just a bunch of little faiths. Like, let me out of this box that you've put me in. Stop confining me to these four walls or to your, your quiet time, your devotional time, whatever you want to call it, and, and put me into your workplace and see my power. Put me into your marriage and see my power. Put me into your friendships and see how I work. Put me into everywhere and see what I can do. He's saying, stop having little faith. Stop confining me to this little area and have faith all, all over in your life. Trust me this morning. Uh, and then the next one is obey. Two things here, verse, one in verse 33, one in verse 34. How do we obey? Well, it's simple. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Guys, if you actually have a kingdom mentality and start seeking the kingdom of God first, besides the kingdom of self first, or the kingdom of your family first, or you know, put whatever else in that blank you want, that will change your perspective. That will give you an eternal perspective. That will change your life. Uh, I don't have time to unpack all of that, but just take Al. Al. Al died yesterday, and guess what, guys? He didn't enter into a new life. Like, one thing about eternal perspective is, this is your eternal life. If you're in Christ Jesus, this is it. You're already living it. Like, you're not waiting to live something somewhere out in the future. Like, Al was living this life now. And if you knew Al, he, he did everything he could to share the gospel, to live out for Jesus, to be an example for others to follow Jesus. And if you walked with him on these streets, there's probably not one person that didn't know Al and, and that he hadn't shared Jesus with. And, and what did he have to show for it at the end? Nothing worldly. Al had nothing at the end, guys, except the family of God, except eternity that awaited him, except the things that actually mattered in life. You think Al cared about what he looked like anymore? Like, how many of you guys spend so much time caring about what you look like? You know, you think Al cared about what kind of job he had and what successes and accomplishments he had? No, he didn't care about any of that. He just cared about living on mission for Jesus. 
And we get so, our struggles come from, man, I didn't get that promotion at work, but he did. You know, I, why did she say that to me? You know, that, that isn't who I am. Like, we get so caught up in others' approval and, and things that are fleeting and, and et cetera, et cetera. And all it is is seeking the kingdom of God first. And Al went from this life not to the next life. He just continued his, his life in the unseen realm. And we'll see him one day. And then he says the second thing. Again, do not be anxious. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. I feel like that's kind of like a joke he throws in there. When I read it, he's like, don't worry about tomorrow. Hey, you got enough troubles today, man. <laughs> he's like, why are you worried about tomorrow? It's like he's looking at you. Like, when I read that, it's like he's looking at me and he's like, hey, Mike, like, just worry about today. Like, just, just focus, focus on what's right in front of you. So many of you miss God's goodness because you can't see the goodness of God right in front of you. You can't see what he's given you because you're saying, I want that. And I'm going after that. He's saying, but I've given you this, and it's actually better than that. And you're like, no, 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 I want that. And, and you're just focused on that. Just focus on what's right in front of you, and that'll open your eyes to God's goodness. I want you guys to realize that, yes, you are eternal, and yes, you are securing Christ, that your identity can be placed in something that isn't going to shake, isn't going to falter, that there's power in the name of Christ Jesus and power with us being identified with Christ. And when I say power, that has so many connotations, I know, and there's so many things that come along with that. But um, if you're rooted in Christ, and we'll get to this in your mountain, that like, nothing, nothing will, will shake you. You are on a solid rock, Jesus says. Nothing can shake you because you're on a firm foundation. You're not built on sand. So many of you guys have built your house on sand. And when the winds come, when the storms come, your house collapses. And he's trying to put us on the rock right now. Missy and I were in Africa recently. And um, it was really cool. We'd never been to Africa before. Um, we did a couple of safaris of... They, they like game drives, and we were, and, and it's, it's different, right? Many of you guys have been to a zoo. You go to see lions in a zoo. Nobody goes to the zoo thinking lions are going to come out and eat me, right? You don't, you don't go to the zoo thinking the animals are going to escape and, and kill you. That's why you go to the zoo, to see animals, because it's safe. It's, it's, it's secure. But on a safari, you're in like a jeep without windows or doors, <laughs> And it's wild animals. They can do whatever the heck they want. Like, they can do anything. They're wild. Like, no one's controlling them. So, uh, but people don't really think about that when they're on safari. So we're, we, we go, and we're actually tracking. And, and safaris aren't like where you go out. It's not like a zoo again. You don't go out and you just see all the animals there. You have to track them. So we're, we're tracking this pack of lions. And there's one pack of lions I know in this reserve. And... Um, they know they're, they're, they've been hunting because they're not in the spot where they normally sleep and stuff. So we're tracking them. We're, we're trying to find things. We see these jackals, and wherever the jackals are, they're scavengers, so we know that there's been a kill, and they're, they're just waiting for the lions to finish up. So we're waiting. We're waiting for, for, for the lions. We, we kind of pull around the bend, and guys, we've been waiting for, I don't know, we've been tracking them for a couple of hours, right? And, and so we're anticipating it. Like, we're... We're like, oh, we got to see them. It's gonna, and it's getting dark, too. 
So that's a little disconcerting. But <laughs> it's getting dark, and we're like, oh, we have to see them. So we turn around this bend, and to the right of us, there's this savanna. It's a big open field, open plain. To the left of us, it's the bush, it's the forest, it's the jungle. And we turn around this bend on the, on the game drive trail, and all of a sudden, this female lion walks out into the middle of the road, right in front of us, and just plops down in the middle of the road. She's probably about 30 feet from us at that point, and um, sorry, I'm, I'm American, so I think in feet. Uh, she's about, what is that in meters? <laughs> 10. She's about 10, 10 meters from us, is that right? Yes. Anybody? Yeah. So 10 meters from us. Thank you. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Uh, and so we, we get up even closer. Like, we're like five meters away from this thing right now. And, and she's sitting there in the robe, and we're just watching her. And all of a sudden, another female comes out, and then a young male comes out. And he's got like a, he's like Simba. Simba comes out. He's got like a half-grown mane. And, and he lays down in, in, the, in the road. And we're just watching them for like 30, 40 minutes. And all of a sudden, they start roaring. And the, our, our guide knew there was, there was an, an adult male, like a full-grown, and then some cubs. And so we're waiting, right? And all of a sudden, these three lions in the road start roaring to the bush. It was the most amazing thing. I was like, this is crazy. Like, I almost peed in my pants. <laughs> like, this is so awesome. Um, like, they start roaring, and we hear this roar. Like, they're roaring. They're like, meh, meh. Then you hear this, brah, like this roar from the bush, and like, you know it's Mufasa, right? Like, you're like, oh man, he's about to come out. He's, and, and so he like, when he comes out, it's regal. I mean, I never seen anything like it. He was a monster compared to the, the young male. He's just got this full mane, it's, it's just full grown, he's full grown. He comes out, and, and so, and then the cubs eventually come out, and and they're like, it, the roar was so powerful. And they're playing and they're having fun. We watched them for, for a while. And it's getting dark, right? So we have to leave. So we, we pull off and we drive past them. And they're right by us. They're just staring us down. And as we're driving past, a lady in our Jeep says to our guide, she says, hey, what's stopping them from jumping in the Jeep? And he says, nothing. <laughs> and we're like, well, you have a gun, right? He's like, no. <laughs> we're like, why are we moving so slowly? <laughs> Go faster. If you put your security wrong, in the wrong thing, anything can take it away from you. Anything. Those lions could have jumped in the Jeep and just taken us. Like, and we just thought we were secure. And he's like, no, didn't you? You guys signed something <laughs> before you came out here. You knew you could have died. And, and, and that's the thing with, with putting our security in the wrong thing, is that when it gets attacked, it can be stripped away from us. And, and, the, and the scriptures say, this is why we put our security in the kingdom of God. This is why we put our security in Christ. This is why we pursue love. Because those things never end, the Bible says. Those things are eternal. They go on forever. And we have this verse in the scriptures in 1 Peter and First Peter says, the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And the enemy is the devil, Satan. He's prowling around like a roaring lion, and he's going to snatch what you're placing your security in. 
But if we place our security in Christ, nothing can snatch us out of the Father's hand. You have to recognize this is a spiritual reality where the enemy is trying to devour us. But guess what, guys? There's good news. Jesus is also a roaring lion. Jesus is a lion of Judah. Jesus, like Satan's little Simba. When Jesus walks out and all his regalia, and like, he's the one who has the roar. He's the conqueror. His paw is on the neck of, <clears throat> of the enemy. And Satan's just trying to be like Jesus, and he's trying to trick us. And for so many of us, he's tricked us. He's deceived us. He's duped us. And Jesus is calling you out this morning, and he's saying, come to me. If you're weary and heavy laden, hear my voice this morning. Trust in me, obey me, and come to me. And so that invitation is for you, whether you consider yourself a follower of Jesus this morning or whether you don't. Jesus wants you to come to him so that he can help you through life, so that he can be there for you, so that he can redeem you, he can set you free, he can give you forgiveness, grace, mercy, holiness, trust him for all these things. And he's waiting there for you, and he wants you to be his this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that this is all about us being your children, that this is all about our relationship with the Father, and you have paved the way for that. You've shown us how to be children of a Father who loves us, who is calling us. And so this morning, I pray that we would hear your voice, that we would trust it, that we would obey it. And as we approach uh, the Lord's table this morning, Jesus, your table, may we recognize that you gave it all up for us. Your body was broken for us. Your blood was shed for us. We celebrate that this morning. We celebrate that truth. Thank you for being willing and obedient to the point of death. We love you, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.